0: Welcome to another episode of Acts of the Blood God, and independent RPG podcast. I'm your host, Cat Bailey. Joining me, as always, my lovely co-host, Nadia Oxford.
1: Hello, Kat. I'm glad you're all back. I was very lonely
0: without you guys. Also joining me is my equally lovely co-host, who I've been hanging out with all week, is Eric Van Allen.
2: I know no sleep. I know nothing but cough drops and work. Please help send, send more cough drops.
0: Yes, in this week's episode, we will be recapping Summer Game Fest and everything else that happened during not E3. We've been doing these for quite a while now. I bet it would be pretty fun to go back to some of the previous recaps from these shows to hear our wild unhinged takes. I remember we had there's an there's an act of the Blood God where we were reacting to the original announcement of Final Fantasy VII remake um, while somebody had their hair dryer going in the bathroom nearby. <laughs>
1: <laughs> was that in a hotel or it like, wasn't a hotel I was so mad <laughs> they couldn't stop for five minutes I was like going, what the fuck <laughs>
0: must try here
1: <laughs> we are trying to record
2: pod content We're in here to
0: a podcast. <laughs> Paris is just looking at me <laughs> oh it was Paris I think it better <laughs> <laughs> that was the recording quality of US Gamer back in the day circa 2015 <laughs> we knew how to run a show well, i didn't but you guys did we sure did remarkably the podcast did survive for another like eight years and here we are ready to talk about final fantasy 7 rebirth and persona 3 reload and metaphor re Fantagio and uh everything else that we saw um boy um uh the the, the like a Dragon Infinite Wealth trailer that was just absolutely legendary. That we'll was the funniest thing. Yeah. Oh, we'll get to that, huh? Okay, so I we'll can't get talk about we We'll can't get talk to about, all of that.
1: We can't talk about the ass yet.
0: Can't talk about the ass yet. But before we do so, uh, if you enjoy the podcast, please leave a review on the podcatcher of your choice. You can follow me on Twitter at the underscore catbot. is at Nadia Oxford and Eric is at CMusy. We are on Patreon at patreoncom Pod, where you can get access to shows like Charlie and Dropouts, our special episodes. There, uh, Book of Cora, which uh, Summer of Cora, which um, is on the happen. way, it's happening. It's coming. Don't it's worry. Coming. <laughs> Don't, ask <Yeah>. <laughs> Don't ask questions. Don't ask questions. And Pantheon of the Blood God. This month we are doing Nikki. And you can support the podcast for just $1 a month, which will get you the show ad-free and will get you access to our wonderful Discord and our great community. So come on by. And, of course, you can buy merch at shop.bloodgodpod.com. All right. Our main quest for this week, we're going to recap everything that happened over the past week at Summer Game Fest. Eric and I are home and we're only mildly delirious mildly. and i'm about to get on a plane tomorrow lol so uh we'll start with summer game fest uh and i'm go and i have in my notes forget all the rest of this shit final fantasy VII rebirth initial reactions mm-hmm. let's go oh i am so hyped for all this like all the questions are
1: already coming to my mind that i can't say anything cuz i don't want to spoil anything final we're fantasy not VII. not going to spoil remake no
0: but- Even though I've spoiled it a few times with my rage. Oh, that game's,
2: <laughs> that game's old now. That game's old. It's fine, I say, it <laughs> personally. But Well,
0: I I've already spoil. noticed
1: a lot of changes from the original story to what they're making with this, and I'm kind of like, oh, there was something that was said that made me say, wow, what is what is going on here? So it's going to be total nonsense. It's going to be amazing.
0: I, I mean, the very first shot that you see in the trailer... Is Tifa and Red thirteen and Aerith being pulled fr- from smoking ruins on a stretcher? Are mm-hmm. they dead? Of course they're dead. Game over. Did Nomura kill them?
1: He did originally want to kill the cast of Final Fantasy VII, but All someone of them? Told him. Yeah. Again, read the um, oral history of Final Fantasy seven by Matt Leone. And it was just a whole thing about how they were going to kill most of the cast during the parachute jump. And they didn't for some reason. I think someone said, don't do it. And he said, all right, I won't do it. But it was going to happen.
0: Uh, Supermoop just posted the it insists upon itself gift from Family Guy. <laughs> it insists <laughs> One upon of the five itself. five funny jokes from uh, Funny Guy. <laughs> guy
2: I'd say that is a, a, it's a solid bit. It's a real That's solid bit. It's a good bit. bit. Yeah. Yeah,
1: yeah.
2: I did not um, care
1: for the Godfather.
2: A scene where they're all in the chairs. That's the best part of the movie. <laughs> um, yeah. No. so Rebirth... I think is really interesting because obviously there are a bunch of things in that trailer that raise obvious questions about where are we going? Um, like the original Rebirth trailer did. I did like that we saw what looks like gameplay, um, that it looks fairly, you know, continuing a big yeah, it building looks like on Golden the legacy yeah. of remake uh, that we see Yuffie, that we see uh, Red 13 that I, I like that those characters will be around. I liked playing as Yuffie a lot in uh, Final Fantasy 7, was it remake intermission, so I'm excited for all that.
1: We saw Bugenhagen. The guy uh, floating. <laughs> His name is Bugenhagen. And he you they, they, like there's a scene really going through the Cosmo Canyon area, which is one of my favorite mm-hmm. parts of mm-hmm. an RPG, any Final Fantasy RPG ever. Uh there's a scene where they're all kind of looking into the fire at the end of like the their stay there, and it's just it really stayed with me. But really looking forward to that because that's it's going to be a great sequence. It seems to me that they end the game. And this is a guess. At a certain after a certain thing happens. And I want to know not exactly right after, but pretty soon after. And I want to know what is going on and what they're doing with this because by god, it is weird weird stuff.
2: Yeah, I I think I just I want to play the game. Like they yeah. they showed me enough of this thing that I'm like, yeah, I just very much want to play this. I and don't think I need to see more of it. I think they should Tears of the Kingdom this thing and just keep it like real under wraps at this point and just But they won't. Yeah. Like we're probably gonna see a lot more of it kick up once uh sixteen is out and they can kind of put their full force mm-hmm. into marketing the next Final Fantasy and I guess seven point whenever that comes around. But um I I, I just I'm very excited for this. I, I liked seven remake quite a bit and I I think especially now that the 16 demo is out, more people are getting hands on with what that game is. And, you know, whether you like the action style or not, I I do think remake is an action style that still feels like it's resting on its RPG roots very, very um, confidently and, and feels like it strikes a more even keel balance than uh, the, the little bit more devil may cry ish, uh, 16, and I think for, for people who maybe want some of that still, uh, it, it's it's nice to see that that will still deliver for them. It, it, it feels kind of weird to say that like, we don't just have one mainline Final Fantasy that we really kind of have two mainline Final Fantasies coming out within a year. It's, it's almost like an Arceus and Scarlet Violet situation where we have two really big Final Fantasy games within a year.
0: It's yeah. weird to go from Final Fantasy 16 and it's grim dark aesthetic to Final Fantasy VII Rebirth, and it's slightly less re- grim dark aesthetic. And um, I-, I think there was some like questions about like why is Square Enix eating the marketing of Final Fantasy XVI by dropping Rebirth in here? They're not. I don't. I have a counterpoint. I think that actually it made Final Fantasy feel like a very have have maybe even a a much larger presence at this show than Mm. it would have otherwise. And final fantasy 16 maybe benefited from that, from the glow. I I suppose you could see maybe they both benefited because it felt like final fantasy was everywhere, right? You had, you had the rebirth trailer and then you had the huge 16 event that happened. And of course the 16 launch was happening uh mm-hmm. i saw yoshi p come into the ign offices oh cool uh, Did say he hi? didn't he didn't say hi to me oh i'm sorry wow. we were best friends wow. and he didn't say hi to me he's like
1: i know you don't like ff14 cat i'm he's not talking like, to you get away from me hater get away from- hater. i saw
2: i saw koji fox in a hotel lobby oh
1: sweet <laughs> Did you say hi i always wanted to meet him
2: yeah him. i mm, i can't say much right now pay attention to Destructoid.com in the coming Uh, weeks. Um, But uh, yeah, no, it's I mean, it was a pretty Final Fantasy weekend because we had, like you said, those two things that kind of bookended Summer Game Fest, like Rebirth during uh, the SGF Play Days and then the 16 launch event that I went to on Sunday where they they brought out the new Square president um, and they had like the whole development team out there they even had a video message from Jim Ryan, which was like the strangest thing in the world, because we were in this like basically like air, airplane hangar of a building with giant screens all around us. And when the Jim Ryan message played, uh, it was like his face on every screen looking down at you like it was <laughs> that Apple commercial commercial yeah yeah and it was it it was just him looking down and being like sony enjoys a wonderful partnership with square enix and will continue to do so i was like okay okay
1: (laughs) (laughs) welcome to city 17 it's safer here
2: um but yeah no i mean that was that was kind of the like public debut of the new president and that was them i think really coming out and saying like hey we're we're putting our full force into the future of final fantasy and i think that's coming off of 15 like regardless of how 16 ends up ends up turning out how rebirth ends up turning out how any of this actually turns out like coming off of 15 it feels like final fantasy is in a much better place 15 was a very like scattershot game the delivery was all kind of off they were like the the prologue for the game that really does a lot of tone setting and really helps you understand all the story and stuff is a movie you have to go see in theaters before yeah. fantasy 15 comes out. And we're going to release a bunch of the other story in DLC way after launch. And we're going to have a royal edition. And, and like this feels much more confident. This feels much this more feels like, a, like we a, are doing something. Yeah. yeah. Yeah.
1: This is a game. You can play this game and you don't have to watch a movie before playing this game. I got to get handed to Square Enix when they want to finally when they finally decide we we're going to advertise this game of ours. They go all out. Like yeah. they have a whole, like they were really hard for FF 14 when there's an expansion year, but I could see like the whole, all the halls being taken up by FF seven, FF 16 stuff. Like it was also that way for PAX. They had that giant video screen. If you remember in the, uh, which, ho- which lobby was it was that everyone gets drunk in West Weston. Yeah. It was in the West At PAX, Yeah.
0: Yeah. So final fantasy seven rebirth. I, I mean, it was actually kind of surprising how con- conservative the trailer was in a lot of respects. Like it showed maybe hints that fans could break down. But uh-huh. uh, to my eyes, it it almost seemed like it could have been a straight remake, right? It showed a lot of the scenes that we know and love from the OG Final Fantasy VII. So it was just saying, well, uh, here are these towns, here are these places that you visited in the original Final Fantasy VII. Here's the big open fields. It's way more open ended than it was before. Uh here's that famous scene with Sephiroth. Here's a hint of it. And that that was our trailer. But it was enough. Oh, and we also got a release window. It's not coming out in 2023. It's coming out in early yeah, 2024. No it's
1: definitely more conservative than uh I would have expected. And yes, most of those things are familiar. Like I recognize the Chocobo Farm. So, assumedly, we're gonna have to ride it across like a, a a marsh to get to the. We saw the Mithril mines. We saw, what's that Turk? Elena, who gets introduced? Yeah, oh yeah. yeah we saw Elena. Yeah, yeah. She's great. I thought and she showed Herk's... up a
0: lot earlier.
1: Didn't no, she shows that... up, she shows up in the Mithril mines. That's so why I was impressed. It's like oh. okay, there's a there's a one to one right there.
0: We got a glimpse of Yuffie, my girl. Mm-hmm.
2: I was just saying, we haven't talked enough about how cool the Turks are. We just need to say that the Turks are cool. I like the Turks.
1: The Turks they're, have always been a fan favorite.
2: They're, but- they're a good like enemy, like running enemy faction to show up. They're like, you know, to, to use a blunt instrument of a comparison. They're like the uh, the Organization 13. You know, they're just yeah. always kind of showing up and doing no stuff. And they all uh-huh. have like cool little things that they do. And yeah. Yeah, yeah, I, I like mean,
1: Root is just great. Reno and Rude are practically mm-hmm. the most popular characters outside of Sephiroth. But what intrigued me about the trailer is, as I said, there are slight differences that still have huge implications. So I really mm-hmm. want to see where they're going with this, and I'm really looking
0: forward to it. I'm really looking forward to it as well, and I agree that the Turks are pretty cool. Looking at the rest of the Summer Game Fest lineup, not too, too much stands out to me, but... There is Sandland, a new oh, cool. anime RPG from yeah. Namco, which is based on the Akira Toriyama manga that I had never heard of until now. And either of you heard of Sandland before? I have. Um, I, I have. Well, I don't look know at you too.
1: I mean, I love Toriyama's art. You just see it and you love it.
2: Yeah. it's it's. This is like a lesser known manga of his, especially in the West. And. Um, It's it's an interesting pick uh, because Bandai Namco and Ilka that are working on it. Um, Ilka coming off of One Piece Odyssey, I believe. Uh, And it's a really like cool premise, I think, because like you can tell from the trailer that, oh, they're doing like kind of their vehicles. It's like vaguely Mad Maxi, but in like an Akira Toriyama style. Yeah. Um, And a lot of the tank combat stuff seems really, really cool. So i I'd be looking forward to seeing more about that. Um, I, I I dig it.
1: I wonder if the tank take combat takes any inspiration from rocket slam. That'd be pretty awesome.
2: Rocket slam. Rocket, rocket slime. slam. Oh, rocket slime. I thought you said yeah. rocket slam. I was like, rocket I don't know what slam. that game is, but that sounds great. Um, slam rockets. Cool. We also got like a dragon Guiden, the man who erased his name coming in November.
0: Hey. Oh, boy.
2: Hell, yeah. There's a, uh, a lot of Yakuza. Back. I I have thoughts. I have long thoughts that are probably too long to get into here about why I don't like that Kiryu is coming back as a, like, deuteragonist for Yakuza slash, slash like, a Dragon 8. But I will say that, like, all the stuff they're doing with Kiryu in the man who erased his name, all the, like, crazy superpower stuff they're giving him that looks just wild, like... I'm very excited to have a game where I can play cure you again and, and see more of his story. So I, I'm a Mark. I admit it. I, I'm a hypocrite.
0: You are a hypocrite. I'm no, just kidding. Mm-hmm.
2: Mm-hmm. <laughs> I admit it. I admit it. Baldur's gate looks
0: good too. Baldur's gate does look good. It does. Yeah. yeah. It's still uh, Baldur's gate. Jason Isaacs is in it.
2: Yeah. Voicing this like, uh, kind of one of the main antagonists of the game working along with jk simmons and we got to see a little bit of the actual town of baldur's gate and these like automatons that are hanging around it the game i'm very excited for it can't can't stress that enough
0: jason jason isaac's best known for his work as evil british guy in the patriot and oh god it's been years in this oh all right that. yeah also, I guess he was in Harry Potter or something. I don't know. God, did I see
1: that in theaters? I feel like I saw the Patriot in theaters. The Patriot. Why? It's
0: a very why naughty movie.
1: What, to forget why I saw the Patriot in theaters, it's absolutely
0: anything else stand out to you about Summer Game Fest? Uh Itchy Bond's ass. Not for No,
2: that's that's for Xbox. Save it for Xbox. Oh, it was a I'm perfectly
0: sorry. okay showing. Uh maybe not for RPGs, maybe more so for I don't know, Mortal Kombat and Alan Wake 2.
2: Oh, Alan Wake 2 looks real good. I that was one of my appointments at SGF that I saw, and that game is looking real, real good. Alan Let Wake is you. one of
1: those titles I, I don't do anything with, but I just like the soundtrack. I just listened to uh old gods of Asgard and uh whoever did the uh the poet and the muse.
0: Those are great songs. Um, I saw Alan Wake 2. I hung out with Sam Sam Lake at at the giant bomb at party. At the
2: giant bomb party, where Sam Lake just inexplicably was hanging just around. showed up. But just the...
0: okay. He's just lurking. Okay. He's vibing. He's just big okay. chilling. vibing. Yeah. I like
1: I like people who do that and they just hang out with the fans and
0: like, "Hey, how you all doing?" He seems mm-hmm. he he and the Remedy folks seem to have a very good rapport with Lucy James, but Yeah, he was just around. At one point he made the Max Payne face into the camera. Giant Bomb was pretty yeah. funny. Yeah. Yeah. I I have no opinion on Alan Wake because I don't really like uh, survival horror, and to me it looks fine. But a lot of people who like those kinds of games are really excited about it, so I guess yeah. it's probably very good.
1: Yeah, I think it's good in its own way. I just never played them.
2: Um, no, after after Signalis kind of rekindled my love for for survival horror. Uh, I've been very interested. I gotta in play you.
1: Signalis. It's really oh, on, on my to do list.
2: But especially like a post control remedy, like remedy really feels like it is establishing itself as a not just a a good publisher, but like one of the top like studios around for making like really good single player experiences. Mm -hmm. Uh, Control was just absolutely phenomenal. And uh, I think Alan Wake, too, if it lands the shot, uh, could really cement their legacy
0: in that way. So, yeah, they really turned the corner after control, didn't they? Really went up a level. They were already kind of beloved, but I think that they moved up a tier, I should I should say. Moving on to Xbox plus Starfield, which was always a little bit of a mouthful. Boy, oh boy, were there a lot of RPGs in this one. I'm
1: mm-hmm. going to start
0: with obviously the most important and biggest of them all, which was Metaphor re making yeah. a surprise appearance. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. This is the game that Katsura Hashino, Shigenori, Sojima, and Shoji Meguro left to team up. They started a new studio called Studio Zero, and we started a project called Project Re-Fantasy. And we finally got to see what this game looks like. It looks like Fantasy Persona, and it looks like it has the protagonist from Persona 3 as its hero. Thoughts?
2: It's it's dark fantasy persona. It is like berserk ass persona, and I am so excited for it. It's not even funny how good this game looks. Like, just I posted this on Twitter, but like the menu screen, the menu screen is gorgeous. It's this nice. is a team like persona they went crazy infamous. with the
0: the menu. Like we it thought Persona was Five was UI. extra. They're like, oh, you haven't seen anything yet.
2: It's it is. So stylish. So cool. There's social links. There's bonds. There's dark fantasy. There's like class system. It looks like there's. Oh, my God. I cannot begin to describe how this is like a dream game situation for me. Uh, One of those things that you never would have thought to ask for. But when it arrives, you're like, this is everything I want in a video game. I'm so excited for it.
0: I was annoying the shit out of Ryan McCaffrey about it because uh, I was <laughs> on the xbox post show and they were trying to come up with a run of show on the fly and i was and they're like threw metaphor into like the e-block i was like you gotta move that you gotta move that up i'm sorry come on we're talking about we're talking about metaphor and they're like those are record those are rookie numbers if you watch the show ryan goes cat insisted that we gotta talk about this game so cat and I talked for like three minutes, and nobody had anything else to add. And we moved on. <laughs> That's
2: disappointing. Pat, respectfully, your coworkers need to get into better games. Come on, guys! They really do. <laughs>
0: Come on. It's freaking. What do they like? Metaphor refontaggio. <laughs>
2: How do they see? How do you see that? Not just be like, this game looks amazing. Oh this my game looks—it looks, it looks oh so unlike God. anything else out there. It's oh. yeah mm. I mean,
1: at first I was like, "What trailer is this for? SMT6? Is this for Personas? What is going on?" Oh, that.
2: I I but will say in in general, especially amongst all the showcases we had from this weekend, but in general, Xbox had a good showing. I think that was a good showcase from Xbox.
1: Yes, it was it was decent enough for sure. Yeah, I was a little disappointed. Fable was still kind of like not really showing what it can do, but the other games. I thought it was a solid B
0: plus. Yeah, it was missing the little bit extra that pushed it over the top. We can talk about that in a hot second. I will say about Metaphor, uh, Refantaggio name aside, <laughs> everybody's yeah. just gonna call it Metaphor for God's sake.
2: I keep calling it Memoria because that sounds like more normal to me in my head. Yeah, I think it's a better I thought it name.
0: Thought it'd be action focused, but I guess it's term based, which I think is an interesting choice. Because I thought mm. that Meguro uh, Hashino and Company wanted to get away from that. Guess no. they uh, just changed no. their minds.
2: They saw they saw what Sixteen was doing, and they were like, "They're going full action. We gotta we gotta go back to the roots. I, we I gotta take it would back. Go,
0: I figured it would go action based, though. Cool. I'm cool with it staying turn-based. Mm-hmm, uh, mm-hmm. I would have actually been able been willing to roll with a action focused persona kind of game. Uh since it's not strictly in the persona verse and such. You got you got persona warriors. Yeah. Uh no. I'm not gonna play that. <laughs> yeah, she agreed no. for a second there. Uh I am looking forward to Metaphor whenever it does come out.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: Uh, meanwhile, we also got a long-awaited Persona 3 remake, Persona 3 Reload. However, however, in the news, broken by IGN.com. Oh, there you go. Mm. We learned that it would not have the material from Fes Persona 3 Portable, including the female protagonist. The stated reason being that they're going to remake Persona 3 not Fez, not portable, the so original release. That means there is a law,
1: a codified law that they cannot put a female protagonist in Cannot. There, they will be executed.
2: So, so no, no female protagonist sucks. Um, no for answer sucks. Um, it's nice that there's like some of the quality of life stuff coming back, but it's like I, I do just have that feeling of I was actually talking to a friend of the show, Michael Haim, about this today, and and his sentiment was that they've really got one shot to like remake this, and if you're not gonna like make the most of the shot, then like it's what it, it, it can be it can feel a bit yeah. disappointing. And are they on I a budget? budget? It I, it it bums me out because there's like a very cynical way of looking at this that like, Oh, they might try and sell a persona three reload golden somewhere down the road. And You're I don't think redoing it's
0: doing all of the voice acting.
2: So mm, they're redoing all the voice acting, but there are two voice roles that maybe there's a reason for them to want to do the voice. Yeah.
0: <laughs> recasting.
2: um, Especially one, but uh, it's, It's also just a case of like, this is the remake that we're going to get that's going to like, you know, re-put Persona 3 back into general consciousness, especially after the explosion of popularity the series saw after Persona 5. So I would have liked to have seen it have that, like, like female protagonists not being prioritized feels like it's a statement from the devs about how much like, how big of a priority that feature is. And that's kind mm. of a bummer to me Yeah, because there's some good content behind that too. Like not just the fact that you can play as a female protagonist, but also that means there's no Akihiko romance. Cause I, I doubt that they're going to let the male protagonist silly be able to romance Akihiko. Um, and that that sucks. At least let let the, the boy character romance Akihiko. Come on. The, what are we doing here?
1: No, nah, it's Akihiko. Know, like, Persona insists on being like 10 years behind everyone on that whole deal. But whatever. Have you
2: seen Akihiko? Hold on. I'm Google image searching. We're putting this in the chat. <laughs> Have you seen this punchy boy?
1: Oh, was Liam O'Brien Akihiko before? Oh, damn. That's my Kane Highwind right there. They're taking him out.
2: Ooh. Look Look at this punchy, punchy boy.
1: Oh, that's yeah. Punchy. That's punchy, all right, and no shirt.
0: <laughs> he does have no shirt. He, I'm gay, and I think that's kind of hot. I don't know. <laughs> I, Persona 3 Reload looks good. I'm disappointed for sure. by The four, four answer was always pretty mid, as post-game content goes. Uh, one of the big advantages of Fez was always that it added a lot of quality of life improvements. And the developers have said that those elements will be in there. So for example, you don't have to have your uh, teammates just doing whatever the heck they want. Mm -hmm. Having it actually looking really good and in widescreen, certainly better than the P3P uh, release that came out a little while ago is great. I miss the female protagonist story, and I think that could should have been canon. Yeah. yeah, I agree. Differentiate it a little bit, for God's sake. Why do we have to have blue hair boy?
2: Um, I was sitting next to, to also a friend of the show, Imran Khan, at the uh, Xbox event, and he, he pointed out that it was interesting that they did not show the Evoker at all <laughs> during that entire trailer. Oh, that's not surprising. So, yeah, it did make me wonder... Oh, right. The evoker still has to be in there, right? I don't think they would take the evoker out.
0: It's called reload.
2: Yeah, it is. It is also interesting that they might not be showing that at all in the marketing material for like very valid reasons. Uh, So that's that's an interesting thing. Like this is this is kind of I love P3. I think P3 is great. It is also like a significantly darker game than Persona 4 or 5, in my opinion. So um or at least darker on on its surface level. So, be interesting to see how they handle some of that stuff.
0: Robo Riley, I distinctly remember the Penny Arcade comic about the setting. Me too. That was the first time I ever heard of Persona.
1: <laughs> I remember it being a huge thing on the talking time forums way back in the day. It like was... everyone just got into it and I didn't for some reason. I think I just didn't have the money at the time, but yeah, that was a uh, definitely one of the 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 instances of me hearing that much about the
0: game. And finally, we have Persona 5 Tactica. A tactics mm-hmm. game mm-hmm. with chibi yeah. Persona 5 characters. I have to say I was not that impressed by it. Look oh, cute. I'm
2: thrilled. I'm really looking forward to this. This looks great. I I love the idea of continuing this story And what will probably be super non canonical and and just be like a side event thing, but like still a very fun way of seeing all these characters interact and stuff like I'm down for it.
1: I'm really down for it because actually the way the the characters like the cute characters react with each other in the Persona Q games is adorable. So I'm hoping there's kind of the same interaction going on here.
2: Yeah, it's going to be fan servicey. It's going to be goofy. It's going to be fun. I'm not I'm not expecting the world of it. Yeah, um, it's certainly like my least exciting of the three announcements, but um, it is a, a cool, neat thing that they're doing. And I like the idea of, of getting a tactics spinoff of Persona, uh, because if we all buy this, they might make Devil Survivor 3. So I really need you all
1: to show up for this <laughs> one.
0: <laughs>
1: It'll happen someday, Eric. Keep chasing that rainbow.
0: Moving on from Atlas. Uh, so there are many other RPGs. Uh, Maybe one that we've been waiting for a while is Fable, which, Mm -hmm. I mean, it was a gameplay trailer, and basically we got uh, Richard Ayoade looking great. Uh, It had a little bit of that, I don't know, office feel, like documentarian feel, but also they leaned hard into the Fable aspect of the game and the humor. The humor is clearly apparent in this one. It looks gorgeous like as a text showcase. Wow. The way that they're animating and everything, incredible. I hard to draw too many other conclusions from it though. Yeah. Yeah, I, for sure.
2: It, it, it's it's a good tone setter if nothing else and I think the tone feels pretty interesting, feels pretty good, but uh I I just kind of want to see what this fable looks like and whether like whether fable still works in the modern day and age. Cause I think fable was very much like a new and fresh thing back then, but I feel like we've had a lot of games that have done kind of that open world, tell your own story RPG now. And I'm curious what fable brings to the table. That's different. It, you know, it, it usually is that like being able to create your own character and create your own story. So, um, I'm curious what it brings to the table for that.
0: I, the thing that's interesting is it seems like playground games is honing in on the, the comedy. Um, as part of their their take on it. Whereas I recall Peter Molyneux treated Fable originally as the sort of everything RPG. The whole plant an acorn and it will become a mighty oak yeah. sort of game. Mm. The morality meter kind of game. The get married and have kids and do whatever you want kind of game. So I'm curious to see if those aspects make it in there as well. Yeah, mm. me
1: too. I'm really interested to see if it becomes that. Uh, it almost kind of reminds me of Fantasy Life in a way. Like It has that very loose, do-your-own-thing huh. yeah. like atmosphere to it. And to me, that is part of Fable. So um, if they get rid of that in favor of a more character-oriented
0: story, or a main character-oriented story, it might be a little strange. Avowed also returned, and it looked very different. If you'll recall, Avowed is the obsidian RPG. It's first person and the original was I would say darker and this one is well quite a bit more brightly colored and frankly graphically does not look amazing. My main takeaway from it was uh fantasy outer worlds.
1: Yeah, yeah. Uh this was the game everyone was kind of calling Skyrim, right? Like just
0: Yeah, it's not Skyrim. No. Uh, no. And that's not necessarily a bad thing. Um, Yeah. Obsidian, great storytellers set in the path of the exile. Maybe the smaller scope can be beneficial. Obsidian maybe is just recognizing its limitations. It's interesting to read the PC Gamer interview that went up right after Avowed happened in which the developers uh, talk about how they wanted something that was maybe that scope but it just wasn't working out. It just wasn't right. gonna happen. So they went much more limited in scope. So I like the dual guns, those are cool.
1: Yeah, can't go wrong with dual guns.
0: Pew, Any pew. thoughts, Eric?
2: On on avowed, I, I honestly that was like a whole section of that presentation where I kind of like blanked out, honestly. Um I think it looks cool, I think it looks neat, I like obsidian. Um I just like nothing in that world is really doing it for me. It hasn't it hasn't had that moment where it clicked yet for me. And and I, I ended up feeling like I, I watched that showcase. I saw a lot of it and I was like, maybe the writing will be good. Maybe like the, the character stuff will be interesting. But I just think in terms of like dark fantasy RPGs, which we suddenly like maybe a couple of years ago, this would have been a bit more n- novel and interesting to me. Now I'm kind of like, oh, we have a lot of those right now like we have final fantasy 16 we have baldur's gate 3 like we're not really wanting so like i don't know i i i would like to like about just like i'm sure poe who can hear loudly complaining in the background about about Oh um, yeah. would like to like it
0: it dropped pro- it, it dropped pretty hard off my radar yeah when i saw that trailer i was not impressed and i guess this is a pretty superficial take especially for the rpg genre but there's just so many gorgeous and deep and amazing RPGs uh, with all the RPGs that I need to actually play maybe about isn't a huge priority. What yeah. are the funnier? What, sorry, were we going to say something? No, I feel the same
1: way. Just uh, the stack of great RPGs is not going to lessen anytime soon. And I feel like that one's going a little bit kind of on the lower shelf. But who knows, it might surprise us.
0: Yeah, we'll see if it works out. Uh, Obsidian, they, they can often surprise us. So that yeah. launches in 2024. Clockwork Revolution. Now, this oh, is an interesting one. Yeah. The in exile. Uh, frequently, sp- like we always talk about how, oh, yeah, they bought Bethesda and they bought Obsidian, also in exile, whatever. Yeah. But in exile, <laughs> coming right out and being like, oh, no, we're much more than that studio that did Wasteland 3 and Torment Tides of Numenera. Good games that they are. Uh, apparently, we have uh, some ambition. We're going to rip off Bioshock Infinite so hard. Of all the games to rip off, I hope you know. You, I guess they got to know what they're doing. Well, it can't be any dumber than Bioshock Infinite, right? <laughs>
1: Don't say that. It gets so much
0: worse. Surely this will handle race better. <laughs> oh, just um, end me now. Robo I, I, Riley. I, look, someone has to fulfill Ken Levine's vision.
2: So look, somebody has to be able to make a good steampunk RPG at some point, right? Like Arcanum had that stuff in the bag a while ago. So, and by the I'd way, like believe,
0: one of the lead folks from Arcana working on this game.
2: Yeah, yeah, so I feel like there there is potential here. And this this has been surprisingly popular. I don't know why. It looks cool. I I didn't expect this to be one of the breakout games of the show, but a lot of people are like weirdly into it, maybe just because they're like, "Oh, it's like BioShock Infinite 2.
0: but I mean, it it's, really it's, stood out for its art style. But I thought um, everyone hated that game.
1: And they look at it and say, oh, God, that reminds us of the disaster. Capital D.
0: It's been literally 10 years since Bioshock Infinite came out. No, I can't be that old. And I just want to point out that Bioshock Infinite had a lot of failings, but its art direction was not one of them.
1: It was perfect. Its music direction was great, too.
0: Yeah. So to see In Exile kind of harnessing that a little bit and maybe delivering its own take it felt fresh to me. It felt original. That's fair.
1: That's fair. If you're going to rip gorgeous. it off make it better.
0: Yeah, it'll be a while before it actually happens. And they're promising Brian Fargo was on Twitter saying it's going to be really deep. It's going to there's going to be a lot to this game. By the way, uh, all similarities to uh, BioShock Infinite are purely coincidental. This game's <laughs> going to be amazing. <laughs> but this isn't the first game to try and do steampunk. So Yeah. Look. Yeah it'll be a while before we play it i think uh probably 20 i'm gonna place a bet i'm gonna put my coin on 2026 being that's when the comes out yeah that's probably I mean, good so
2: something that i think is worth mentioning that it will not come up naturally anywhere else in this episode is that quote from matt booty that was going around about how long triple a development is taking yeah. these years it yeah. is taking five years to like yeah make a triple a game yeah absolutely and and like, I think that's kind of a bummer in some ways. And I, I, I'm, I'm, I like that there are games like Pentiment that are still coming out, or like Hi-Fi Rush, which just got a big up or is getting a big update, was announced as part of the Xbox stuff. Um, it's cool to see smaller, like titles, kind of interstitial in between games uh, become the norm at, at Xbox as kind of a way to deal with that. But yeah, it's it's i think we're going to feel the distance between some of these announcements and releases more than we did in the past
0: you have i think you need to have a mix and often indie games have filled that spectrum of maybe smaller projects the the mid-level projects the kind that you can release every couple years Mm -hmm. that then fill in the gaps between the mega projects, if you only have mega projects, you're not going to have anything because they're only going to come out every seven years or whatever. Starfield's been in development for eight years. Mm-hmm.
1: Just imagine where Elder Scrolls Six is. I'm going to be fifty by the time I see Elder Scrolls. Uh, to-
2: Todd Howard's brain mostly.
0: Yeah. I remember <laughs> when Fallout Four Scrolls came 6. out and they said that it had been in development since 2008. I. I was like, that's an unfathomable amount of time. It's been longer. Mm. It's been longer since. Absolutely. Wild. And then the real game of the show, Like a Dragon Eight, which was revealed as infinite wealth mm-hmm. and instantly confused everybody because they were like, is this a spinoff? Oh, yeah. No. A little bit. Yeah. It's Like a Dragon Eight, and it had uh, our hero butt naked on an American beach.
2: That's yeah. the game. Yeah, kind of a weird f- tone setter. I think it's because like we have, as of this recording, tomorrow morning is the RGG Studio broadcast, mm. where you'll probably talk more about that.
1: I feel like, though, that was probably the only game I can think of, maybe even the only series I can think of, where you get an actual just an in-game cutscene, no gameplay or anything, and yet you totally understand what the game's about.
2: I, I I'm very interested in this, though. Like I said before, I have reservations about their decision to bring Kiryu back for eight because I love Ichiban so much I think he is like he was he was a final four contestant in our heroes and villains contest like he is a well-remembered beloved character already I don't think he needed Kiryu to come back for the next game I don't think they needed that extra star power so I, I really hope that Ichiban is still like the leading guy in Yakuza yeah. 8 uh, and that he's not splitting too much time with Kiryu or that Kiryu kind of maybe becomes a member of the party. But then I'm also I'm bummed then all the footage of Yakuza 8. Or, sorry, that's going to take me a while to fix like a Dragon 8 um, that we've seen so far hasn't included um, Sayako. I believe her name was the the female party member from that game. Yeah, double checking this just to be sure. Um, yeah, yeah, Sayako. Uh, we've, we've only seen Nanba and the, the former cop and we have not seen Saiko yet. And I would really hope that she's not like out of the party because I love the Yakuza series. I love its broness, but also it, it sometimes has problems with, yeah, uh, in a sausage uh it's party. Of characters. Yeah.
0: I really want to play more Yakuza, but these games are coming out so fast. So I don't they feel really like do I have come time. Out real fast. That's like three games in one year. What because was it?
2: oh oh isheen yeah
0: we had isheen at the beginning of the year remember isheen yeah i did i reviewed it, it was and good. then we have the spin-off coming out in 2023 and then we have uh Yak infinite wealth coming out next year 2024 uh that's a lot of that's a lot of like a dragon and hey if you're really into that you're you're feasting you're you're eating right now that's great it's reminding me of Trails in the Sky at this point, where it's just like, oh, God, there's so many of them. <laughs> Trails in the Yakuza.
2: I, I will say that a nice thing about the hard break they made with uh like a Dragon 7 was that I think if somebody was to jump on now and they just wanted to play the RPGs, they could jump in with like a Dragon 7 and still be like up to date and familiar. I haven't played all the Yakuza games. I've only played um zero kiwami and six and then like a dragon uh and then some of the other spin off ones but i haven't played like three four five like i haven't played some of those middle ones and i think it's still like very followable and very enjoyable even if you haven't experienced the breadth of it
0: moving on we had cyberpunk phantom liberty which what was i think going on is
1: with keanu sorry i had to say it first
0: well what it was he, just, keanu he was being, just keanu. being unscripted and fun
1: Oh, I thought something was wrong with him. It just looked like he was being an AI or something.
0: He's gotten increasingly silly. Does it seem like he's just increasingly a cartoon character to you? I wouldn't. He's, I wouldn't blame he's him. Goofy. I guess. Just he's goofy. He's
2: fun. He's, he's having just goofy. Yeah. he's okay. having- Was well, he long here long to amuse okay. you? Is he a yeah. clown? Is he here for your amusement? Yeah. Well, yeah. <laughs>
0: Apparently. Um, Phantom Liberty. A lot of people got. We got a big trailer we got a lot of gameplay footage (laughs) uh people got a lot of hands-on time with it and the uh, consensus is no actually cd project can actually fix cyberpunk 2077 um and eric i know that you're feeling doubtful did you play phantom liberty and what's your take
2: i'm not feeling doubtful i played i played phantom liberty uh i played it at sgf playdays people are Um, saying
0: stop your playthroughs right now this is it this is gonna change everything i
2: at first when i first heard about this because i had my appointment like kind of later in the day and so i was hearing some rumblings start to go around about this and i was like okay yeah like how how much are they really changing this game? Like, come on. I've heard it a million times before. Like cyberpunk's good. Now it has the ultra mega ray tracing cyberpunk's good now because the Netflix anime is good. I'm like, it doesn't work that way. The amount of work going into the update that's going to ship with Phantom Liberty is like, it gobs back me. This game is functionally still cyberpunk. You are still doing the things you did in cyberpunk. But every single piece of it is getting overhauled in, in big and small ways. The skill tree is being completely redone. So you don't have all these like little things that are like you get 2% chance to do a little bit more damage on your handguns or whatever. It's like you have actually like things you want to put skills into and more skill options. There's a new skill tree branch that's out there. Um, The there's more content coming for your romances as was broken by my friend Kenneth Shepard over at Kotaku. Um, You've got uh, more like more of everything coming in and streamlined everything. Uh, I was, I was already amazed when I opened up the text interface and saw that now it's, it's an overlay that pops onto your screen while you're out in the world instead of having to open a menu and sit there in a paused menu and look through a thing of text and then go back to the real world the whole thing with the fixers trying to sell you cars that I wrote a blog about back in like 2020 before us gamer went down. Now there's a website. There's like a Craigslist site that just gets set up where you can buy vehicles. Like it it is, it is actually amazing. The amount of work that is going into this thing for Phantom Liberty. And then the actual expansion content of which I played some of it is very good. It's really good stuff. Like I would put it, just the missions I played alone as some of the better stuff compared to what is in cyberpunk 2077. I honestly do think that this is CD project red doing what they wanted to do with cyberpunk and, and fixing everything they wanted to fix and getting that game, maybe not to some imperceivable, like tech demo showcase version of what they dreamed of in the past, but much closer to something that they can really feel like they left a proud mark on and that they can build on going into a 2078.
0: Yeah. I think that's admirable. And uh, I mean, they did that with Witcher three as well. People forget that when Witcher three came out, it was kind of a mess in some ways they made big sweeping changes and updates culminating in blood and wine like the game that the witcher three that was blood and wine was wildly different from how it was in 2015 from the skill trees to the bugs to even the combat. So yeah, they're doing the same with cyberpunk, but on an, on an even greater scale. Cool. I kind of want to play it now. I should say.
2: I'm, I'm very excited for it. Um, yeah, I mean, we even got like an entire thing that was just like, here's all this stuff that's being added. Even that doesn't feel like it covers all of it. It's it's just a really impressive thing. I think even more so than like Witcher Base to Witcher Hearts of Stone and Witcher Blood and Wine. I, I I think you look at like the way that studio went from Witcher One to Witcher Two to Witcher Three, and it makes me really excited about the future of Cyberpunk if this if this is the sort of step that they're taking with each move forward. So,
0: and finally. The grand finale, 45 minutes of Starfield. It was a long time. And it's 30 FPS on console. But, you know, whatever. So, thoughts, were you all sold on 45 minutes of Starfield? I am scared
1: of how big this game is because I'm still working on Tears of the Kingdom, and it's been a month, and I haven't played anything else. So I don't know. I'm fearful. Every game is
0: enormous now. Too big. I know. Too, too much.
1: Are the... I, I kind of... I think I misheard this. Are the planets AI generated? Is this another No Man's Sky, or is it not? Like, it's... is, uh, is it...
0: The landscapes are procedurally generated. Okay. From what I recall. Um, I think it's a mix of bespoke and also procedural generation i don't think it's like whole cloth kind of situation
1: because i was always annoyed in no man's sky about how stupid and nonsensical the animals looked but here they look so good so i hope that Mm. it's is like that because i would absolutely be the kind of character who would just like set up things on wild planets and watch alien animals like you know and that's something that's obviously going to be possible in this game so i know i'm not meant to live every life that's that starfield can offer you But holy crap, it intimidates me nonetheless.
0: It looks big. It looks quite Um, big. Yeah, I'm excited about it. What do you think, Eric?
1: I had a weird
2: moment with the super long Starfield Direct where I I felt like this was almost too much at times. Like, I get that this game is very big and and they really want to show it off because they really want this big win. Um, Part of me was like, you're just going into so much like... Here's where you do this. Here's how you do this. Here's this. Here's that that it felt like too much and I was kind of zoning out. This was the point where I was at a like press viewing of of all this uh where we could watch it and people were starting to get up and stretch and stuff like that yeah. so it was at that stage and I don't think that's a commentary on the quality of the game. I just think it was like a very long showcase um to follow up with. And that being said, like it I think it made it abundantly clear how much Microsoft wants this to be a big home run and I'm looking forward to this game. I'm looking forward to what this game can be. I, I wouldn't say I have high hopes for it. I just have like I want to see what this game ends up being at the end of the day or anything else. I have a curiosity about it um it, it would be really cool if I end up playing this game and liking it a lot um but I've been burned before by by fallout 4 and so, I'm going into this one like, okay, this all looks cool. This all looks neat. I like these, this world, these characters, but I want to see what all of this feels like when I'm actually just playing the game and not being mm-hmm. shown like a list of features. Like, I want to, f- what does my day to day feel like in this game? And and that's what I'm kind of looking for a sense of.
0: My friends, I watched. All of the Starfield content because I was sitting in the IGN studio watching it clockwork orange style. I could not look aroy. <laughs> when this game comes out in September, you're never going to see me again. That's <laughs> it. I figure, Cap Bailey, I'm going to be flying around in my spaceship through the stars, meeting my werewolf girlfriend, probably <laughs> Space establishing Carol. an outpost on the outer rim. And living there. And adding starships to my collection. Maybe sometimes I will raid them. And it will be are good. Are you going to
1: make a-, a mech like that one guy made?
0: Probably. No. <laughs> no. My great. ship will be cool. <laughs> but it looked cool, man. I think it had arms and legs. and There are whole freaking side quests devoted just to fucking updating your ship. Oh, uh, wow.
1: That's
0: a lot. That's all I want. Yeah, that's all I want. I'm just like, yeah, I'm gonna update my ship. I'm gonna build my ship, and I'm gonna fly around in it and shoot pirates, and sometimes board ships and take them over and add them to my collection. Uh, I guess there's a story, probably. Uh, I'm gonna explore. It'll be great. I can't I'm wait. Guessing, this, is, yeah. uh, this is this is this like the star flight. This is like every game that you've wanted on like the absolute biggest scale possible. This is Todd Howard's dream game. It's and it's my dream game, too. And it's abundantly clear that this game's going to kick ass. And uh, I can't wait.
2: And if you want a spicy take from me about this, I'm more excited about this than I would be about a new Fallout from the studio.
0: So, oh, absolutely. Fallout 76 got an update. I don't think that's a spicy take at all. I think Fallout's a little played out. <laughs> Um, I mean, an updated Fallout would be cool, I suppose. How much further can Bethesda take it?
2: If if they're gonna make a new Fallout, they need to take it on down, down the the hall and hand it off to Obsidian and say, make make New Vegas. too. Fallout
0: was always more of an Obsidian kind of thing, like the and 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 in Exile, like those those two.
2: They like, need to or, take it to Canada. Bethesda yeah,
0: is very good at environmental storytelling. And can do, and actually some of the most memorable quests have been in Fallout 3 and in Fallout 4, but Fallout New Vegas, as adjudged by this podcast, is the <laughs> finest RPG ever made. I still love so. we did that. <laughs> yeah, I love that, yeah.
2: What a, I've, what a move. I've gotten so many people who would be like, Fallout New Vegas, really, it's the best RPG ever made? And I'm like, yeah, yeah, it is. I yeah, stand
0: is. by my work comments. I stand by my, the the RPG mm-hmm. that made Bethesda so mad. Mm-hmm. But Obsidian does nuance. Bethesda does scope. Yeah. And they've just gone crazy. We'll I to
2: talk, we'll talk about the frames in the room. Oh, the frames, yeah. The frames, the frames. In There's the room, a big controversy
1: because it's not going to be 60
0: FPS on Xbox. Oh, so what? exactly yeah
2: it's it's i think it's silly what, are
0: you surprised are you kidding runs, me I, i'm like a little
2: surprised that the series x is in pushing 60 i think that was my surprise i like they're also trying to get it to work on the series s and i think that is
1: uh that'll hold you down that's it, an important it, 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 thing it, it's bethany Esda. Oh. if the thing doesn't like clip through the floor you're lucky the
0: the actual generation is finally here and yeah, those yeah. games are just are not going to run at 60 FPS on those consoles.
2: 16's 30 in, in its graphics mode is only 60 on performance mode. So I, I Yeah, I like, heard.
0: I also say this as someone who's spoiled, I have a pretty beastly PC these days. I'm gonna play it on my PC. <laughs> and uh maybe there will be a sixty FPS patch. I don't know. It's not out of the realm of possibility. It's happened before, right?
2: I think okay. you should let people tape Xbox Series X's together to increase their power. <laughs> I think I thought there it was should interesting be like that. A,
0: Phil Spencer said, No, I don't think we no, I don't we're not doing a Series X Pro.
2: I I think they should let you Tower of Power, your your Xbox. Yes. It's built for it. It's Absolutely. built for it. It's just a block. You can put more blocks on top.
1: Module after module. Let's go I
2: wanna, let's make I want to put more blocks on. That sounds great. Tetris. Hire me, Phil.
0: i have great ideas more blocks i guess to me starfield is not predicated on its action gameplay so much even though it has it the action gameplay and bethesda rpgs have always been mid at best maybe this will have the best action gameplay of any starfield game to date which will mean that it might be on the level of cyberpunk the zero gravity stuff looks pretty cool, actually. It does I'm remind me a
2: lot of uh, like once the shooting starts, it reminds me a lot of cyberpunk. So, I saw
1: something that reminded me of that, so I don't know. Could be that
2: sure.
0: too. I like the zero gravity. Uh the the selling point of this game is the scope and the scale. Yeah. And that's what Starfield has in abundance. And Todd Howard said locked 30 FPS. We just don't want frame rate dips. And okay, we can keep it at that.
1: We have observed.
0: <laughs> yeah. We always have this binary of 30 and 60 FPS. I mm-hmm. own a Steam Deck. I put a lot of games at 40 FPS, and like to my eye, it looks like 60 FPS.
2: Oh, the for- the forbidden frames.
0: It looks it looks smooth at like 40, um, but and it runs and it doesn't have any tearing, and I'm like, great. Cool. That's all that matters. Like Persona Five looks terrific at uh 40 FPS. Consistency keeps you from getting motion sick too, which is important. Mm-hmm. Anyway, I um I'm all in on Starfield, and I'm gonna be like taking a three week three three week break from everything in September for a variety of reasons. So uh, that's a great time for me to just sit down and play Starfield. Mm, so yeah. much Starfield.
2: And Octopath Traveler too.
0: Yes, you should. <laughs> and Actopath yeah. Traveler. All right. So that's a lot of RPGs. Do we have a best of show, a most anticipated, and anything else we want to shout out? I'll start with you, Eric.
2: Um, I think my best in show is probably uh metaphor. I'm just so excited about that. Like that's oh, that's yeah. exactly the reveal that I wanted. Uh, I think something that I do want to shout out was from the Ubisoft forward. Um, I got to play that new Prince of Persia game. The Lost Crown made by Ubisoft. People are being so dumb
0: about that game. I think it looks cool. Uh, Uh, That game slaps.
2: That game is incredibly good. I am super beyond excited for it. It's real, real good. Um, it plays super well. It's got that Ubisoft Montpellier like 2D action pedigree. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I think it's going to be a surprise hit at the start of 2024. Um looking forward and it, to it. You think like so? like if somebody Oh yeah. Oh yeah. It's it's timed up perfectly. It's like January 18th is gonna start the year right off when nobody else is putting games out yet. And like I, I think it's it's a really strong like Metroidvania style Prince of Persia game with really great action, really great like combat, good platforming, like inventive things where you can do parrying, you can do cool time warping stuff, you can wall bounce, you can do launchers and and combos and stuff like that. It feels great to
1: play. I'm looking forward and to it. And
2: yeah, it'll be it'll be a really good solid game. And like as somebody who's burned out on the general Ubisoft formula, like I saw Avatar and I was like, yeah. Okay, that's Far Cry, but you play the people who live in the nation fending off the invaders instead of playing the invader who is interceded in the land. Yeah, like after seeing all those Ubisoft things and then seeing Prince of Persia, I was like, this is a breath of fresh air to me. I'm so excited to be walking out of this Ubisoft appointment and be really excited about this one game because it feels so different. It feels so new so yeah i shout outs to that team they're doing something really cool and also uh, i got to play it on both the pc and the switch and it runs really really good on the switch like oh good um i think they were out there saying that it's a 60 fps target on the switch and when i was playing it 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 ran very smoothly felt really really good to play so i think it's going to be a surprise little little game to start the year off good next year
0: i uh coming out of ubisoft i liked the star wars game i thought it looked Mm. a lot of fun actually uh, I liked the action. I liked the art. I thought the little monster guy was cute. I liked the the ship combat was whatever i it looks fun. I don't know. I have a lot of misgivings about Ubisoft in general, and I suspect that this game will end up being quite mid, but yeah. uh on the face of it, it looks cool. I was into it. Uh, as for my most anticipated or my my best to show, I think has to be Starfield. Um, because I think that Xbox had a lot of questions to answer about this game because it didn't actually demo that well last year, and they kind of went all in on being like, no, this game's going to be absolutely incredible, and it seemed like a lot of people bought in, even though everybody came out talking about the freaking frame rate. So, uh, in that sense, mission accomplished. But I think if you go beyond that, I'm going to say Metaphor ReFontagio is my most anticipated game. Uh, Just because, I don't know, Fantasy Persona? I mean, from the original, from a lot of the OGs? I'm into it. Let's go. So, uh, and I think that uh, one other game I want to shout out is Dungeons of Hinterberg.
2: Oh, yeah. Yeah, Yeah, it looks pretty cool. Uh Which
0: I guess you could best describe as RPG Celeste. There's like isometric puzzle solving, side scrolling, action RPG combat. It's super pretty. I I really like it. So that's definitely a game. That's um, that's definitely a game that's on my radar. Nadia, do you have a a best in show? Is there a game that's most anticipated? Is there a game you want to shout out? I didn't get to play anything like you guys did, but I Aww. do think Metaphor
1: looks pretty cool. Uh, as for a kind of a smaller release that I don't even know if this was at the show or not, but I know that a trailer just went up, so it's it's gotta be relevant. Uh, Here's a Might and Magic uh clash sorry oh, uh, might imagine yeah. clash of heroes that's getting yeah. a remake uh or yeah. a re, uh, revamp rather and uh it's coming out on my birthday that's looks really oh. great it's a great great puzzle game rpg mm-hmm. mix actually you don't get rpg puzzles that often so let's buy a capybara polished by U- U- ubisoft so really looking forward to it
0: all right that is our coverage of summer game fest summer of gaming xbox whatever not e3 do you have a favorite RPG from that show? Do you have a most anticipated RPG? Come over to our Discord and discuss it over on the weekly episodes channel. Or send me uh, an email at cat at or DM me on twitter.com slash the underscore catpot for as long as Elon keeps DMs open. Thanks, Elon. Time now for the summer of Cora, the uh, series in which we watch all of the Legend of Cora and talk about it. We're currently in the midst of book two. We just had somebody drop out of the live show. Goodbye. Avoid the spoilers, you know they might. Well, you know might you don't want be, those yeah, spoilers. Yeah, yeah. They yeah might not watch it. Spoiler, spoiler warnings They're are on. They're not keeping current. Dang it. <laughs> This week we watched episode 17 through 20, Peacekeepers, The Sting, Beginnings Part 1, and Beginnings Part 2. These uh, this, this is interesting because it goes from the North-South uh, Civil War and filmmaking and, uh, shall we say, Mach- Machinations by Varick to a straight-up OG legend origin story. Uh, so let's start with peacekeepers, in which seemingly the North is implicated in an attack on the poor, poor South, and Cora and her narc boyfriend Mako are on <laughs> opposite sides of it. And Mako just has to discover the truth, and he narks on Cora so hard that she breaks up with him justifiably um, too wow that relationship did not last long
2: well i it, it lasted for some months that we did not see in between book one and book two boy
0: those those two are like fire and water uh, uh, or something. Uh, uh, uh. Um, did i do it I right do like, i don't know you did i like lin Beifong's uh
2: joke about when mako uh is standing there and she walks out. She's like, what happened in here? And he's like, I broke up with the avatar. And Lynn's like, oh, this is nothing. You should have seen air temple Island after I dumped Tenzin. Yeah.
0: <laughs> I was like, hell yeah. Hell yeah. Lynn. Um, we got surprisingly little Tenzin. Uh, there was a cute side story in which the little goblin boy is trying to teach uh, all the little, little monsters, little creatures. Although, all the little air lemurs. Yeah. 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 Mm hmm. Yeah,
2: once again, Tenzin gets a fun little side story. Although his up until like next week, a lot of that stuff is just like, oh yeah, Tenzin and family are still doing things over here somewhere, popping out babies Uh, apparently. Yeah, you know, Tenzin be like that, (laughs) but um, we we do get this this whole situation of Korra becoming increasingly alienated from friends who are trying to get her to kind of rein in her more rebellious, more firebrand side. And she does go off to try and talk to the Fire Lord for help. And you get that little tease of like the Fire Lord. I wonder, could she be going to meet? And then she gets swallowed by a dark spirit. doesn't matter. Uh, yeah. So we never get to <laughs> to truly find out. But it was it was a fun, fun little bit. And then we have an entire episode in The Sting where Cora is not present. Um, just an entire coraless episode of the Book of
0: coral. No, we got Mako, our favorite character. Who doesn't love Mako? Boy, Mako.
1: <laughs> he sure um, is a Mako dude.
0: and Asami uh, teaming up with the, uh, what are they called? The Triple Threat Triad?
1: Yes.
2: Oh, yeah, the Triple Threat what Triad. What a name.
0: Sounds mm-hmm.
1: like a uh, Sonic subtitle. Sonic the Hedgehog and the Triple Threat
0: Triad. Boy, oh boy. Mako's really bad at his job. I love he's that, that he's does like. suck at it. He's like, yeah. He's like, yeah. she's like. You're a beat cop. What are you doing? He's like, no, I'm Dirty Harry. I'm going to solve <laughs> this case. Okay, Mako. I felt bad for Asami. She's cool. She's too good for Mako. Mm, um, mm-hmm, And boy, mm-hmm. is she naive. Like, boy, oh, boy. Varric, like, self-evidently setting up uh, the theft of all her stuff so that he yeah. can buy controlling interest in her company.
1: Mm-hmm. I kind of feel bad for her because she doesn't have the business sense, and I wouldn't either, so I understand
0: different side of Verrick where he's basically silly coming up with lots of different ideas but he's a shark of a businessman he's gonna mm-hmm. screw you over mm-hmm.
2: yeah we get to to really see how Verrick made his money uh so to speak that he is he is not just uh an eccentric but that he's he he's not is an, an actual... eccentric
0: failed child yeah. he's a businessman which means he's I gonna, gonna up, screw boys. people over
2: mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. he does the thing uh and then we get a two-parter Oh, uh, hold pretty... on,
0: hold on, hold on. Oh. I just want to point out that literally everything to do with the uh, ferret guy. Uh, awesome. All of the, all of the movies, all the movie bits. So oh, good. Oh, all so the good. movers
2: and the stuff with Bolin where he's Bolin. becoming a Nuk-Tuk.
0: <laughs> Nuk-Tuk. And where he lo- instantly becomes a extremely successful movie star like overnight and they're doing the 1930s serials uh i love their realization of the the special effects everything perfect it's so fun
2: oh yeah the when he figures out how that that's how mako figures out that varick is making the the detonators because he's at the movie set is a really nice little touch but i also like a moment that stuck with me this time around was bolin having the realization that his, um his attraction to his female co-star only exists on screen. And she has that bit about like, uh, was it, uh, I, I love nuk I don't love Bolin or whatever. Yeah. And he's like, you can tell he like, doesn't understand it. And I, I thought that was like, number one, a fun bit about like how acting doesn't really exist. Like mm-hmm. a mover doesn't really exist. They've had stage plays and stuff, but Bolin wouldn't know anything about that. But also like, a little bit of care, like Bolin's kind of been going through it in the season. You know, he's he's had two relationships at this point that are both very um toxic in ways that he doesn't fully comprehend. And and I like that he's kind of growing as a person from them. Um, I if you can't tell, I just love Bolin. I think his his arc is great. So he's kind uh, of I a like dude. Um, he is he is a dude. He is a he's guy. a guy.
0: He's a guy. And then finally we have episodes 19 and 20. Eric promised that I wouldn't be like writing, watching 20 million episodes, but the last two weeks, I think we've watched four instead of three. Um,
2: we have. Look, it's okay. Yeah. We're back to three next week. It's okay. okay. This, this it once, like, it's like 12, 14, 13, 13 is the breakdown, I think, for the book episodes. So this one season is like just a hair longer.
0: Well, episode 19 and 20 are beginnings, part one and two, in which Cora basically goes into a coma. And we learn all the story about how the benders and the avatar came to be. And I have to say, I was hypnotized by how beautiful this episode was. They just went for this totally different style. Um, How how would you even describe it? Like Chinese watercolor style?
2: Yeah, yeah. I think that's that's a good way of putting it. It's wonderful. I love it. It's very painterly. It's very like. Um, a little bit of a nature.
0: little bit of a journey to the west to feel yes. to it
1: mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. the uh, bathhouse was straight out of spirit away
0: yeah uh definitely a little bit of a ghibli feel sorry to mix the cultures um all the spirits were super cool and uh, the the fight scenes were awesome as well mm-hmm. and it's mm-hmm. a compelling origin story it's normally i'm not like Oh yeah, I want to know how all of this works. Uh, I like to have a little bit of mystery to it, but stuff like the the land turtles, the land um, turtles, yeah, to further mix cultures is a little bit of a Garden of Eden aspect where everything is cool until they accidentally unleash the the demon oh, spirit.
2: This this is an interesting aspect and and something I've I've had discussions about, but the idea that like. You have Rava and Vatu is like your light and dark, right? Hmm. And obviously, comparison point is yin and yang. It is that idea of um duality. Um, and and commonly the idea is that one cannot exist without the other. And we get some of that. They say that like even if one is defeated for a certain amount of time, like the other will return, but it will like affect a great change upon the world. And so mm-hmm. I do think it's a bit interesting that we kind of see it painted as a very like light versus dark moment when it feels like there should be a bit more grade to it but I do end up really enjoying I think where the series ends up going with with one I, I think that last moment in beginnings part two where we see Juan's death and he's just like broken and shattered against like one of those giant earthbender discs so you can tell like he's been on a battlefield he's been trying to stop war for his entire life and he's just like i couldn't do it like i wasn't able to do it i just didn't have enough time and and like the it being like no you're going to live like le- we are forever bound and and your spirit will live on through all the other lifetimes that you have like it gets me every time it's it's like a really powerful way to set up
0: the mm. legacy
2: of the avatar and and the, like what the avatar represents i i really i enjoy this two-parter a lot even though I know there's some frustration over how it retcons a few things, yeah. in the lore, but like, I, like I don't what? know. Let's we, we were talking about it before you got on, but like in the last airbender, it establishes that humans learn bending from different animals, so like humans learned it from the dragons, uh, learned firebending from dragons, and uh, earthbending from badger moles, and stuff like that. That isn't inaccurate in Korra because we do see one fire bending alongside a dragon and doing yeah. that same dance that zuko and uh ang learn in the the dragon islands and all that but it does kind of be like oh actually bending is a power that is bestowed upon humanity that they that they gain from the lion turtles yeah
0: maybe they learned how to do maybe they watched the badger moles once they already had the power and improved from there yeah yeah. Mm-hmm. And
2: so I yeah, more like they learned the form and the handling from these these animals um, that this season two gets into some weird stuff where it does feel like it's kind of like writing things into text where previously there was just a lot of assumptions made. And so that always kind of like ruffles feathers a little bit. But I, I really do like Juan's story. I think it's it's a very moving uh piece of fiction and a really like powerful aside in the middle of this book to to finally have that story and and have it have it be like cora is reconnecting to her roots like the kind of like framing they used to get to that is very thin and they're like oh yeah she washed up on the shore yeah, the old washed up heal, on the shore she's she got needs amnesia
0: to,
2: yeah yeah she needs to become one with her previous lives and it, whatever but I do end up really enjoying that we get to see this stuff and see a previous avatar because right now we've only really known roku who is ang's predecessor and then ang and now Korra, and we've kind of seen some of the other ones uh and some of the others have have popped up but we haven't like gone far back up to this point it was cool to actually go all the way back to the origin
0: well i will say that the beginning beginnings part one and beginnings part two I don't know where they fall on my top favorite list, but I think they're probably in the top 10, maybe in the top five. Those were wonderful episodes. They were really gorgeous. They felt uh, they had an air of myth to them that I appreciated to them. Um, I've enjoyed uh, Korra, and I think that it's cool to see them move into more of the 1920s era and to see the clash of how uh the avatar fits into a rapidly modernizing world but i kind of did miss the vibes of airbender last Mm, airbender mm. and this brought me back to it maybe even a lot further back i i just it was cool it was very cool i really enjoyed it and the art style really took it up a notch it it really Island. is something yeah. else really I, I think impressive.
2: it is i think it is the moment that um i think it is the moment that studio mir 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 am i mir? right here yeah yeah um is the moment that they really kind of put their own like stamp on it and really made it feel like they they were doing something that was not just going to be a continuation of the last airbender but to really like strike out and and do something new and interesting um it's the moment that Korra stops feeling like a oh what if there was another thing in the future where it was the 1920s but starts to feel like its own story and, and like cora is starting to have a journey um mm-hmm. that that can like build upon itself and well, you're not excited about the back- fire ferrets no, no, no. No, no. Come on. The Firebirds they they're just in a bad season. It's just a slump. You know, they're they're tanking actually. They're really hopeful some of the draft prospects look great this year.
0: So, we say that about the Leafs every year. I I agree with everything that you said. I think that uh this is I don't know if it's the point where the show comes into its own because I think it's interesting on its own rights, though. It does feel like an ex- an exercise in expanded world building for Avatar the Last Airbender. And in some ways, I still haven't really gotten a hang a hand. Uh, I haven't really gotten a hang of Korra as a character. Season one felt like a side story. Maybe they're delving more into the myth with this one. So it's cool.
2: Important note, by the way, book two is kind of weird. Some of the episodes are handled by Pirat, Piro, mm-hmm. a different animation studio, but Mir specifically worked on beginnings and then like the latter half of this season
0: i have to say broadly speaking i think Korra is pretty beautiful as a show yeah i I really enjoy it like it wasn't like avatar the last airbender was ugly but this one is like another level i think
2: i also like again i hate that i do this every week no i don't i don't hate it i love it you still have some of mir's best stuff waiting in the future good Um, stuff i cannot wait
0: yeah, a lot of fun. First two episodes for whatever outside of the the movie, the movers bits. But the we uh, broke
2: up Korra and Mako. That's the important part. Yeah, everybody go. wins.
0: Everybody wins. <laughs> All right. We're going to continue right on to the summer of Korra. And please look forward to our recap of book one coming up soon. Nadia, take us home.
1: You and I are going to be doing a retro thing In Woo! August, aren't we? We, yes, we are, are. Going, to, going To be at the Long Island Retro Expo On August 11th Through the 13th
0: And yeah, I'm going to Long Island Long, I've never been there I've had a Long Island ice tea I team, was just I... there I <laughs> <laughs> went to oh. a wedding <laughs> A wedding on Long Island, the Paris of Long Island Sorry, I just I hang Long out with Island. all these Long Islanders And they're hilarious to me, they are Is that how they talk? Yeah, Long kind Island. Of. I've never been there, so I'm looking forward to it. But... I'm sure actual Long Islanders are gonna be really mad at me. It's be like, "What are you talking about? Hey, I'm walking <laughs> to you. Hey, I'm talking to you." <laughs> or something. I don't know.
1: They <laughs> did a long the 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 PR team for the show actually did a really clever thing where they put everyone's like you know guest portrait. That was a, so
0: cool. Oh my gosh, I was thing. all polygonal.
1: Yeah, so am I. And here's how old I am. I'm like thinking to myself like polygons feel too new to really do for a retro thing but even though it was very playstation polygons but uh, uh, i think
0: that was pretty retro i'm sorry like the virtual fighter look
1: yeah but pretty it still cool. felt like kind of uh it, it still felt a little bit new to me that's kind of where <laughs> that's kind of where i am i made a tweet about like you know how uh i'm going to another show as well in connecticut uh the retro world expo at the end of the month and uh there, it's like I, for that I kind of put up a a tweet that said like you know like see me as a joke see me five dollars like hit me like ten dollars and like you know talk to me about Final Fantasy Eight like a hundred dollars, and then I had a thought. Wait, is Final Fantasy Eight too new to mention as part of a retro, a, a retro show? So again, that's where my head is. I think that Final Fantasy Eight feels too new to be retro. And what number are we on? Sixteen, 16. or something like that. Yeah. So yeah i just wanted to kind of take a minute to kind of uh you know curse myself and uh look the cold specter of death in the eyes for a moment there but i'm gonna have a i think we're both gonna have a lot of fun at the show
0: we are come meet us yeah come hang jeremy Parrish is gonna be there diamond fight's gonna be there uh frank cefaldi's gonna be there it's a good lineup it is a very good lineup yeah yeah we're gonna have a panel i'm sure and uh we'll
1: probably both be on Retronauts as well. It's very likely. But we'll be around. Please see us. And uh I am old. And that was the point of today's nostalgia I know it's a small one, but I think we're all kind of tired.
0: I think I'm going to buy a lot of nonsense while I'm at the long Those Island shows retro are Expo.
1: deadly for nonsense. Like, I go yeah. to a PAX. I'm like, oh, I don't care about anything here. But you go to a retro show, holy crap, you're going to see a lot of, you're going to go home with a lot of crap.
0: Yeah. And I got a pretty solid retro collection these days. So I uh I have more impetus just to buy stuff. Yeah. Buy games and whatnot. So looking forward to it. Honestly, I'll probably come home with like a couple hundred bucks worth of games that I'm not gonna play. I came home with a couple just of Garfields, vintage Garfields from last hey. year's show. Hey. Uh,
1: they have like I, I wanted to get my husband a a, a good birthday gift and um uh, he likes collecting Garfield stuff, so I got him these I, I just grabbed two Garfield's office uh, shelf that looked old, and uh, he loved them because apparently they're from a, a a line that was discontinued very early or something like that, or he didn't have them, or mm. he knew exactly what they were and when they were made,
0: so he was very happy. Speaking of parish, I um was at the LA office for Summer Game Fest, and our office manager just walks up and says, "Do you want this package? It's been sitting here for six months now," and I was like. Oh, from Limited Run Games. Okay. And so I opened it and it was um, Parrish's NES Works books from 1986 to 1988. Those are good books. Uh, the first two. Beautiful coffee table books from Limited Run Games. And I was like, well, damn, what a nice gift. I can't believe they were sitting there for X amount of months. So they're now sitting on my uh, shelf. Also, shout out to my good friend Seth Macy, host of Nintendo Voice Chat, who gave me a Japanese strategy guide for Final Fantasy V that he got when he was yeah. there. Oh wow.
1: Yeah. Uh, That's
0: can very I nice.
2: can I slide in some late breaking Final Fantasy V news? Oh sure. <laughs> Apparently, in a video that I think this is an IGN video. This this is. Look at that. Um, this was not intentional, I promise. Uh, Hiroshi Takai. Kazutoyo My Hero and Ryota Suzuki, three different developers on Final Fantasy 16, all listed their top three favorite Final Fantasies, and FF5 made all three of them.
0: <laughs> Was it at the top?
2: Uh, Hiroshi. So, Hiroshi Takai listed FF5 as number one, then FF6, and then FF10. Uh, My Hero listed FF5 as number one, and then Tactics, and then 12. Taste. Taste. Damn. Uh, Impeccable. T- suzuki listed ff3 as the top and then ff10 and then ff5 ff3 uh, yeah ff3 is the number one final fantasy Whoa. from i Ryota know that suzuki. one just hits
0: different for japanese players because it's like they were playing on the nes it's kind of like playing dragon quest 6 on the snes yeah. versus playing it the re- the ds remake like uh it stood out on the nes i'm sure now it's like whatever but
2: FF F- five, FF five, FF five, just just still out there. Just, and you F- know F- what? FF five
0: is FF five beat some of the heavy hitters on the uh, the the Japanese fan polls. That that yeah. FF F- five a big favorite. Go check a- out my like Panting
2: episode. Take this moment for that to be credit for Blood God. You know, I feel like we yeah.
1: made this
0: happen. <laughs> Tastemakers. Oh, clearly, obviously. <laughs> I mean, I've been saying for years that Persona three needs to get remade, and they finally listened to me.
2: We put Lisa the Painful in our RPG Maker poll. It didn't win, but you know what we got? Lisa on consoles, baby.
0: Hey. Maybe I'm they just can uh, make an actual good Yume Nikki remake instead of Dream Diary. Um, hey. hey yo. Well, that's it for this week's episode of Axe of the Blood God. Thank you for joining us at this odd hour. Um, Eric and I were traveling, so that's why we weren't able to get this episode until done until now. We will return to our regular schedule uh, starting with next Monday, and our stars of destiny will be able to join us for a chat. We got a couple of big review episodes coming up. One is Diablo 4, that's going mm-hmm, to be coming up mm-hmm. this weekend. We got a couple of great guests for that one. And the one after that is Final Fantasy 16. And mm. we got the famed Alex Donaldson, who yes. is like, for my money one of the foremost Final Fantasy experts you will ever meet. He is going to be on the show to talk about Final Fantasy 16. Uh One person who will not be on this show is me. I, um, I am sorry to say that I have family obligations and I will not be able to be on the next two weeks worth of episodes, so Nadia and Eric will be uh, filling in for me and we'll have plenty of guests. I apologize. I look forward to returning real soon, but we've got plenty of amazing content in the meantime and you'll hear all about my thoughts about diablo 4 which i'm playing right now actually i'm playing as a barbarian and uh final fantasy 16 when i return but until then i have been your host kat bailey you can follow me on twitter at the underscore catbot. bot eric is at cmuz, nadia is at nadia oxford you can follow us support the pod on patreon at patreon.com slash you can buy lots of merch at shop Dot blood dot com. We'll be back next week, as always, to talk more about the genre we love. But until then, for Nani, Eric, myself, thanks for listening and happy adventuring.
1: Till in the stillness of wonder, I'm still in its misty crown, the moon she went down to the lake and in the way she drowned.
0: And now to see your love set free. You will need the witch's cabin key
1: Find the lady of the light, gone mad with the night That's how you reshape destiny